Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, uh, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. I almost forgot your names. That was a bad start. <laughs> like, why uh, is he laughing? And this yeah. is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context and determine whether they hold up to a review. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast at reviewedpodcast.com, and uh, you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. For the record, we're on Stitcher too. We oh, are yeah. on Stitcher, but no one listens to us there. In fact, <laughs> I think we got eight listeners, most oh. of them being family. So <laughs> oh, hey, I want to thank those eight <laughs> listeners for keeping the ship afloat. <laughs> and uh, we apologize for coming at you uh, a week late, but you can blame Mike who's sitting to my left for that because <laughs> mm. he told us the day before, the day before, we're about to record that he couldn't make it. So I was um, in Canada. I just ended up there. I don't even know how I got there. He frequently <laughs> sojourns to Canada just to think. And uh, uh, he went on a vision quest and didn't come back. I've never so. seen 2001. I needed some time to think. So uh, it is one, 2001 is one of those movies, I will tell you for sure. Uh, did I mention that's the movie we're doing today? 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yes. Uh, the classic 1968 classic Kubrick uh, sci-fi film. Classic Kubrick. Classic Kubrick. This is a film that was chosen by Mike, and um, I'm guessing you've never seen it before, correct? Correct. Uh, so why don't you talk me through why choose this movie? We've, we've actually already covered a Kubrick movie on this podcast. Mm. We uh, talked about um, Clockwork Orange. A Clockwork Orange. So um, was that inspiration for why you chose this film, or was it just because it's 2001 A Space Odyssey? Um, a Clockwork Orange was most certainly not an inspiration to watch this movie. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I forget exactly what. I think it was just a movie I... Oh, I know why. I have it sitting on my shelf, um, and I had just not gotten around to it, and I and wanted to for a mm. long time. Um, and I, I, it's one of those things I've only seen... Now I've only seen two Kubrick movies. Sorry, three. I've seen... Mm-hmm. That's right. I forgot Dr. Strangelove. But mm-hmm. it's only the third one I've seen, so... Um, well, he hasn't made that many, so you're almost yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just it's a classic uh, it's it's sci-fi I know we I think in the past had talked about it's being like a more of a slower paced thinking man's movie mm-hmm. um, but my god I wasn't aware of just how slow paced thinking man's <laughs> movie is going to be um, <laughs> woo, yeah. man like I said Canada didn't even help guys I feel like even more confused now <laughs> yeah I remember watching when I, was, when I was watching it this time I was thinking I wonder what Mike's going to think of this I mean well, I, I, I'm not the same thing I, I'm like I don't think Mike understood what he was getting into with this one I didn't but it was good. But you know, I, Ivan always gives me crap. I, I like these kinds of movies. I like slower mm-hmm. pace, more thinking, uh, character-driven movies. I, uh, what's his name? Uh, no. Malick? Malick. Terrence Malick mm-hmm. films. Like just the long, slow, beautifully done shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and This was definitely not a character piece. I'm no, sure. it certainly isn't. Well, let's, let's actually go back and kind of get the basic premise of 2001, which is kind of hard to encapsulate <laughs> mm-hmm. in... A brief yeah, paragraph. I want to see you do this. Good luck. Yeah. Well, I mean, what is 2001 A Space Odyssey about? It's about a lot of things. <laughs> um, evolution, discovery, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Violence. Uh, violence. Um, it's about humanity. It's the progression uh, of the human race. But if we're going to just boil weird. things down, if you're not familiar with this film, which I hope you are because we're going to spoil the heck out of it, <laughs> but this is the movie about the computer that is sentient that uh, won't let people do things. It, that's what it's most famous for anyway. Right, right. Uh, the Hal uh, 9000 reference is right. the um, most famous aspect of the film. But... Um, when you actually break it down, the movie is told in about four parts, I believe. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, it's told in four separate episodes, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, vignettes. Vignettes. And I would chronicle it as a movie that chronicles um, human evolution. Yeah. And how evolution and how we progress through different stages. And, yes. um, yeah. and then the final part of the movie becomes a very theory. science, a, a science so, fiction-y, uh, what could happen. Right. It's a theory thing. as to what the next step in evolution, of evolution right. might yeah. be right um so i guess that's the best i can do um and i'll get back to my thoughts about it uh, I, i'd like to discuss at length the meaning of this movie i feel like that was something for me that was i wouldn't say lacking but it wasn't like I, I, we'll get to it okay let's get to, well, let's get get to it, it. so yeah. mike let's start with you you yeah. chose this film mm-hmm. first time you've seen it 
What did you think? Oh man! And how did you watch it? I'm curious. How did you watch it? Would you recommend it to others? I watched it sober, which I think LSD would have. (laughs) If I had done that, man, I'm not sure if I'd even be here today. I don't know where I'd be. Um, No, I I just watched it. um, Come from my living room. I had it on a DVD. Mm -hmm. um, Watched my girlfriend. Blu-ray, DVD, just DVD, standard DVD. and I were going into it, I was trying to explain to my girlfriend like what kind of movie it was. I'm like, I'm not sure. I think it's kind of like a sci-fi movie, but I think it's mm-hmm. you know like a little, like an artsy sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I stand by that. I think it's mm-hmm. it's really artsy, mm-hmm. arty farty, right. as it were. It's funny that you say that because it wasn't considered arty when it came out. I mean, it was right, right, you know, right, artsy or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, I think to put it in the context, it was made in the '60s, right? '68, '68. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that once it came I came out in '68, yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, of course, everybody was high when they made this movie, so that makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> j- j- but joking aside, I think like it, it does. I think because it's a typical uh, Kubrick movie, I think it's trying to say profound things. Kubrick, this is again. I think I had the same gripe after Clockwork Orange. I think it's just a little bit too high film for me. I think he could get off his high horse. It comes off a little pretentious in places for me. I think, um, I, honestly, you could have cut this down to an hour and a half, and I don't think lost a ton of stuff. I think a lot of things went on for very, very long. Mm-hmm. Some of the long panning shots, just like a little, and, and this is coming from me, okay? Mm-hmm. I will never, I, I don't think I'll ever say this again in my life. I like those kinds <laughs> of things. And this was just like, oh man, let's. Yeah. It's almost um, like in some shots, Kubrick is like grabbing his balls and flipping you the middle finger and saying, yeah, that's right. I'm going to make you sit right. you're, you're and watch this guy one. just breathe and yeah. breathe. Oh, God, the breathing. Yeah, there's just, like, honestly, there, were, there was just shots that were unbearable. Like the sequence where he's out there and he's breathing for 20 I was just like, oh, my God, what are you – like, stop. It, in, and again, I think in, in some way, like um, – there's a, I think it's on purpose. Of course it's on purpose. Um, but even, you know, when he's shutting down Hal, that was like when he's methodically sitting, inserting every key and slowly mm-hmm. turning each key. And mm-hmm. there's the drone of Hal's voice and the cassettes are slowly like sliding. I'm like, oh my God, we've only got through three and there's like 20 of those things in the screen. We're going to be here for the entire 20 of these things. Um, and you got Hal just like... Oh, and little did you know you had the, uh, the the slit screen uh, trip through space oh, God, coming I up. I know, and then I got to that part. I'm like, what? At that point, it started freaking me out. You're getting these almost subliminal shots of... I forget the actor's name. Actually, I don't know the actor's name. His name is Kier Dulé. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, the guy playing Dave. His like just the the shots of his face in agony of just like like looking like and I'm like this is just getting weird. It's getting freaky. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the end. I mean, overall, like it's one of the, like these are the kinds of movies I like. I like where they're they're not just explosions on a screen. They're trying to say something. They're trying to make you think about things. Mm-hmm. I just think it went a little far in the other direction. Um, overall, I liked it. I just wish. Maybe one of us could have edited it and cut it down to a manageable, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Because this is this is my problem. A few more whip like, pans, you know, right, some, right. some some because I think more there's, explosions. There's a narrative there, but I feel like you lose a narrative a lot because it's just going on for so long. Like, in fact, in the beginning, when there's the monkey scene and the pan, I'm like, is this the same movie with Hal? Like, I don't see how this is actually going to get to a point where there's like a narrative yeah. and dialogue. Right. You know, the movie is 25 minutes before anyone says anything. Like, yeah. it's just you know. Oh, they do say. That's all true. Right. <laughs> Dave, being probably the most erudite cinematic viewer of all of us. That's a wonderful word. Uh, what did you think of 2001? I'm guessing you're pretty familiar with this film. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as, as usual. Your reputation I, precedes should, you. Should, statement. Should we rewind back to the, uh, you know, the golden era of cinema when I first saw this? Or should we just jump into like how <laughs> I... jump <laughs> into like how did the you, pertinent stuff. How did you actually first watch it and what did you think this review? Well, I'll try to, I'll try to make this short. So I <laughs> oh think my... My... God. <laughs> my uh, my familiarity with this film started when I saw the sequel, which was 2010. Uh, the year we make contact. The year we make contact. Oh my God, it's full of stars. Yes. Have you seen that one? No, but I thought that was in this movie, and I kept waiting for him to yes, say that, and yes. he never did. I think I probably thought that was going to be in this movie too back when I and so I saw 2010 first, and then I think I had I decided, well, I, this is pretty cool. I mean, I was a Star Wars fan. I was, I think 2010 came out when I was seven or eight, and I was you know already a big space movie fan, and and my parents took me because they knew I like spaceships and and. Uh, so I probably read 2010, and I read the novel 2001, which was actually actually written at the same time they were making the movie. So it's not like they were adapting a book; they were making both at the same time. And then I, at some point, uh, I watched 2000, 2001, not really understanding what the heck was going on. But I, I, all, I all I knew was that I love spaceships and space and and uh, special effects. 2010 similar in the sense of like Two, no no 2010 is very just more accessible. Movie. Yes, 2000, okay. 2010 is a much more mainstream uh, okay. movie. It, it takes the character at the beginning of 2001. Um, 
Haywood uh, Floyd, and he's played by Roy Scheider from who's starred in Jaws. And uh, he, oh they, my they, god! They, yes, I know. Connected, my he, my head just even, exploded. I didn't, I didn't that even is. notice that. No, 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 no. Roy Scheider did not play him in 2001. Oh, he played him. Thank God. He played okay. him in the sequel. Okay. It was uh, I forget the actor who played uh, Doctor Haywood Floyd, who is the uh, character at the beginning of 2001. Anyway, when he talks to his daughter via video, he yeah, talks to yeah. his his daughter, who's played by Stanley Kubrick's daughter, um, with a sharp velour suit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Stanley, Kub- Sorry, yeah, uh, Stanley, Stanley Kubrick's daughter, daughter, who played huh. uh, played uh, the daughter in that scene. Anyway, so I, I think at one point I just started. This was one of those movies that I I, I guess I just loved the way it looked. And at, at some point, I, I don't, I can't pinpoint a specific time, but there was a point where I saw this movie um, on VHS. I had the letterbox version. I had to get letterbox everything back, you know, because everything was pan, no, pan and scan. scan? And this okay. movie is like ridiculous if you watch it oh, on yeah, pan and scan. Can, I mean, it's can. chopped. It's 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 terrible. Um, yeah, because everything is so. Every single shot is so wide. Right. You, it's it's so perfectly composed, and uh, you know Kubrick well, is just let's like. Let's talk that. about that it, later on. I would like to talk about the compositions. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And at, at one point, seeing this movie, it, it something did wash over me, where I I, I experienced it how I Boredom? thought. No. Well. No. Sleep. <laughs> yes. Well, I had seen it enough times. It definitely has put me to sleep. But at some point, it did get me and and uh and you know at the end of the movie where you know the music swells and it's and i suddenly realized what he was trying to say this is the next step of you know this is just a theory we're not, not going to be specific about what it means but uh you know this this image you're seeing of the baby in the bubble above earth is mm. is 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 just uh, ridiculous. It's, it's it's well it's ridiculous but it's also <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. you know it's, but yeah. it's also beautiful and it's um you know the idea that uh there's going to be some, you know, jump forward in, in evolution and, and the idea that we could do it quickly or at least we could experience it quickly. A transcendence. It's kind of a transcendence. You know, I, I and, certainly got that, yeah. And uh, so, you know, and then, you know, eventually other things I started to catch on to, like um, the emotion behind Hal's, uh, like it's a murder. I mean, kind of the centerpiece of the film is what you were describing with the keys and mm-hmm. uh, turning off Hal after he, um, you know, he, he basically uh, goes crazy and kills all the you know, crew members on board and kills Frank, the, uh, the astronaut. And, and that scene, um, you start to realize that he's really the only, uh, character who has a character arc in the movie. I mean, he, uh, the computer is the most human character in this movie and, uh, he's killed, you know, and, um, it, it becomes kind of touching. So anyway, to jump forward to, to now watching it on Blu-ray, which you know, I ended up just buying it for like 10 bucks on Blu-ray. It's probably the best I've ever, best looking presentation I've ever seen of, of it. I've never seen it on the big screen. Uh, I used to have a little 13 inch TV in my bedroom, you know, as a teenager. So I, I it's one of those movies that I would just pop on every now and then and uh, watch it, you know, on this tiny little letterbox 13 inch TV. But uh, so it was really cool, I think, to see, you know, all the images. There were a lot of things I didn't notice in the compositions because they're all kind of very slow and they, mm. you know, you, you get a lot of time to look at them. So. I see this movie as, as kind of high art. And I, I don't know if it's a movie that you have to like to still consider it a masterpiece. I mean, I would consider it... I mean, it's... It's it, it's hmm. it's high. I mean, to me, it's... it's uh, it's hard to dispute. It's it's hard to dispute that it's not high art. I mean, it's 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 influenced. I wouldn't, I wouldn't debate it's influenced. It's, not high art, but it's influenced sure. so many movies. Of course, it, it's so yeah. beautiful looking, um, and uh, you know, I, I guess I'm curious to see what what, I, what Ivan thinks. Yeah. Um, well, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think watching this movie is like eating your vegetables. A little bit. Like yeah. you know it's good for you, but damn, it tastes bad. And like, <laughs> well, I wouldn't even say it tastes bad. It's just it's not. It's not what we're used to. It's not. It's not the kind well, of. Well, let me put it this way. Like. I think that it's really good that you chose this movie for a couple of reasons. Because on this podcast, we've been fluctuating between popular culture movies and more arty fair. Mm-hmm. And this film perfectly exemplifies the difference between a movie that is meant to be respected and a movie that is just meant to sit back and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't a movie that you hand to somebody and say, hey, you want to have a good Friday night? You should watch yeah. 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> I'll get the guys over and watch 2001. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, which is, you know, it's not like, like I could watch Jurassic Park endlessly. Mm-hmm. I can't do that with 2001. No, and, that, no. and, and it's not meant to be that way. And I know that. And I understand that. Yeah. Um, my first experience with this movie is I saw it in college uh, back when Netflix first came out. I started going through old movies that I kind of had missed, and mm. this is obviously one of them because it's an important um, touchstone mm. in cinema. And I think that is certainly true in revisiting this time mm-hmm. uh, just because 
The visuals are so incredible. The technology employed is so incredible. Some special effects to what he does with sound, which I think is really interesting. Mm. To um, just how um, gutsy it is to make a movie like this that doesn't mm. follow a traditional narrative structure. Um, that being said, like it's just it's a difficult movie to sit and watch. And if I'm being true, honest, when I I knew the psychedelic journey into Jupiter, journey into the void scene was coming, I knew I was going to fast forward because yeah. I knew it was 20 minutes. Twitter or something. I, <laughs> I knew it was going to be 20 minutes of a guy going through a screensaver. I'd seen it before. Yeah, yeah. And like, I just, I, I don't, I don't know what that, how that benefits me. Now I will say mm-hmm. this before I'll let you jump in a second. I watched this movie wrong. I watched it on my, you know, my 45 inch television in my living room or, you know, 50 inch television in my living room. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that is meant to be seen on a Cinerama screen. Mm. Huge. Like I can see that experience being worth going. And I would mm. actually, I would love to see this on like a gigantic IMAX type screen. Mm. Like just ever so ev- often the AFI theater here in uh, Silver Spring near DC, it shows 2001. And I always think ah, I should go see it. Finally. I should. And I, I never do. <laughs> especially if their projection is, the, uh, is, uh, an actual film print, right. uh, cause, uh, uh, of the film, because I, I'm sure that experience, I mean, because think about it, the way this movie is structured. It's structured like a night out at the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got an overture. Mm-hmm. It has an intermission. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's meant. The VHS it, copy did not have that. <laughs> but just the fact. The intermission was weird. That was on mine too. And I was like, mm-hmm. what, seriously, what is this? Yeah, because <laughs> like, well, you've been really sitting, slow. You've been sitting for an hour and 40 and minutes. Half. You got another like, hour to go. You got the you're other you're supposed like, to go out to the lobby and uh, yeah. stretch yeah, your legs. Yeah, you stretch your legs a little bit. Yeah. And I think, I think that this is just a, I think this is a hard movie to separate. I, I guess what I want to talk about is where does, I think you can have movies that are both art and are just genuinely entertaining. I think that is possible. Mm-hmm. I think this movie is striving to be an art piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think Gubrick gives a crap whether or not you just are engaged. Gubrick. Gubrick. Good old Gubrick. <laughs> Good old His evil Kubrick. brother. <laughs> His evil brother. I agree. I, I think, uh, yeah, I don't think his intention is really to entertain. I think his intention is to. And, that, and that's, I think that's my, I think that's my yeah. issue. His with intention Kubrick. is to evoke more. awe, is how mm-hmm. I, well, I think with a clockwork no, orange. I, is, I, I think you're right. To grab his balls and give you the middle finger. I think, a like, little honestly, bit. Mm-hmm. No, and I seriously mean that. Like, I, when I, when I watch, like, I, I get that sense that, that, I feel like he knows this is going to be agonizing for some people. I'm going to do it anyway. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if that's for our good or just because he can. I'm sure it's not that. But, well, think well, about this. But I, I, uh, no, so, think, put it in perspective, though. This movie yeah. comes out in 1968. Yeah. This is before Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. This is yeah. before Close any This or... is before any major space. The stuff that was being shown on screen must have been mind-blowing for people. Yes. Yes. Like the oh, idea yeah. of, yeah. like just the shot when the guy is running through the spaceship and he's doing it in a circle. Oh, and, that, yeah. and, and And the way that people probably hadn't even, we haven't even landed on the moon yet. Right. And he's conceptualizing how space would work. Right. Like, Wait, we had not landed on the moon. I didn't no. even think about so that. So think about that. like, like because the human mind, like it's hard for me to even visualize space because there is no up and there is mm-hmm. no down and there is right, no sense right. of like position. And mm-hmm. he does an incredible job of capturing that in yeah. a way that must have just blown people's minds. Right. So yeah. I think that, there, I mean, just as a technical achievement for being able to think, because he had no reference point, you know? It's not yeah. like when, when Gravity comes out nowadays with Alfonso Cuaron, he has so much other crap to pull from to make mm-hmm. that movie work. Like mm-hmm. he yeah. has so many much. He was. This is making the influence. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. You're, and I'll you're, say that the, I, th- I think it's incredibly ballsy to make a movie where you don't. Ha- you've never even landed on the moon. So this is all conjecture at this mm-hmm. point. I think this is. And well, I, they've they've been in space. They've, they've been seen, in space. They've seen what no, Earth looks but, like. Yeah, but I, I I know that. But I mean, because that was something I want, when they're walking on the moon. I'm like, there's no bounce effect on the moon. They're just strolling mm-hmm. along, along like it's yeah. just the. But um. Well, that was all faked anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah, so they didn't travel to the moon for this movie, Ivan? Uh, no, oh, the moon you're saying. No, I think you're, what you're referencing is that the uh, conspiracy there's a conspiracy the theory yeah, that yeah. Stanley Kubrick uh, helped stage the moon, the actual moon landing. Yeah, um, there was a theory, and then and there's a uh, documentary that supposedly covers the fact that yes. he tried to hint to the fact that there was no moon landing, which is ridiculous. But anyway, yeah. um, getting back on theory. track... Um, First off, I want to talk about who did you watch this with anybody, Dave? Uh, like how long did your wife last? Because I'll tell you how long no, my wife lasted. No, no, she didn't really watch. My wife mm. lasted twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> she made she made she it past the dialogue. No, no, she I made it past. Down, the, I knew made, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna sit down and make her watch this because I'd seen it so many times already, and I, th- I thought, oh, I'm just gonna. So here's how I watched it. I t- I I bought the Blu-ray. I'd already seen it a bunch of times. I said, so first I want to watch this with because it has a, a a commentary with the two actors that played the, the uh, Frank and Dave. So I watched it with the commentary, and then I watched it again this weekend. 
uh, just all the way through, you know, mostly paying attention to it, but, uh, you know, taking notes. So, no, I mean, I didn't make any, I wasn't going to make anybody else watch this movie. <laughs> I was like, I don't think you're going to like this because it's pretty, you know, I knew it was, uh, it was a pretty slow paced movie. Um, I don't recall it being as slow when I first, mm-hmm. uh, since I, I last watched it like, you know, eight years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like it felt slower this time. And I think mm-hmm. that might be a reflection that I have no attention span anymore. Oh, definitely. I think society I is killing me. I think I the internet is killing me. I have mm-hmm. no attention span yes. anymore. Yes, no, I mean, and it's, it's but, awful. But I'm, it's, kind of, I'm, I kind of just accepted the fact that, my, that our attention spans are. But, but I'll say this, though. I mean, there's movies where at this I, point. The, the, all the Malik movies I've seen that I really mm-hmm. like are, mm-hmm. are, they're slow. They're long. Mm-hmm. Melancholia. My God, mm-hmm. we saw Melancholia together actually well that's not Malik but anyway I'm saying yeah separate movie that one also has these long agonizing slow shots and that Mm -hmm. one I held me it's it's not the long slowness that that I had a problem with it was I think the way he executed I felt like it was just done too much to a point well I I, I guess if I want to be a total like cretin Mm-hmm. Oh, I could argue that t- yeah, I could be a total Philistine, and I could argue that 2001 would be a more effective movie if it only featured on the Hal portion of the plot. Like if no. that was the only portion of the movie right. you saw, no, or if it was I like say, three separate movies or something. Or not, I'd say keep the keep the exact same structure, just cut it down. Some of those right. panning shots, you don't need all of them. Like that, that's I'm gonna right. stop saying. I think I've said that right. a few times. But, but I think, but, but I think that uh, we're the way we experience this movie, watching it at home on TV, is very different than the way people might have experienced it in in a theater, an event. And, in a, in a yeah, like when you're, it's it's a very different experience sitting in a theater where you 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 can get up and leave, but you're, you know, you feel like you're really going to focus in on something when the lights go down, right? And, yeah. and, and you have this gigantic screen in front of you. Now that said, reading about it, it wasn't. It actually wasn't that popular. Of a, I mean, it was. No, it, no, it, no. It's, it's one of these movies that just kind of stayed in theaters because it was just popular enough, and then it, it grew in stature over time, and, and people. Picked up on the um, hallucinogen, hallucinogenic uh, nature of the ending, and so people started to go and get high in this movie and, mm-hmm. and watch the movie, you know, while they were tripping. So I'm glad I was not high, honestly, because the end. Um, so my girlfriend watched it with me. She made it to the very end. I got to mm-hmm. say, well, she actually okay. made it. She made it, mm-hmm. and we were. At the so end you of still the movie. together? <laughs> oh no, she broke it with me. Wow. Well, it's not like it's not like they're watching. You know, what's that movie? Sallow or <laughs> have you ever heard know. of that movie? Oh, I have no idea. What you're no, about. okay, all right, well. Uh, there's there's some movies that are like definitely bad bad date movies and the 2001 isn't gonna break up anybody but it's you know well, certain no, no, but it's just like you know it was exhausting and you know and, and the end actually was it was S A L O it's a famous if it's a famous movie for lots of disturbing elements I'll, I haven't I haven't seen it I just know that it's disturbing Mike I'm gonna you talk I'm gonna look this movie up <laughs> sorry God, I don't want to see whatever appears on your screen Wait, S L A O S A L O Okay, anyway, this is great radio, guys. Right here. <laughs> great radio. Hold on, um, I'm put the microphone to the keys. You can hear Ivan oh, type. Tap, tap, tap. You uh, know what? Anyway. Huh. Look at this movie. Okay, go keep talking, Mike. Anyway, anyway, no, we have to, we made it to, to the end, and I think, like, the last, like, whatever it is, 20 minutes, the whole psychedelic scene, like, mm-hmm. I started getting freaky. Like, she started, like, not wanting to look at the screen, because mm-hmm. you're just not sure what's coming next. Like, there's, mm-hmm. like... Those, like I said, those weird subliminal images of Dave, like, you know, his face in, like, yeah, terror. I'm like, oh, that's freaky. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> and then I started getting, I felt like I'd seen clips of The Shining, and so I started getting, like, the Shining feel, these weird, mm-hmm. you know, slow panning shots and the slow zooms of, like, the weird, like, when he's at, at what point? house thing. And then, like, oh, at the end the, when he's in the, uh, yeah, he's, like, creeping around corners. There's a guy with his turn. back to you, and he turns around and turns back to doing what he's right. doing. So do you understand what was happening in that last scene? All right, let me give you my interpretation of what was happening in that scene. Okay. Um, Stanley Kubrick was tripping acid hard. <laughs> well, let's let's, no, no, no. let's identify the let's identify the four sequences a little bit okay, more. Okay, right, yeah. that's a good idea. First the first se- let's the... kind of go in order actually. Okay. The first sequence of the movie opens on uh, pre-man, right. uh, pre-Neanderthal. I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Or or yeah, close to Neanderthal, somewhere between ape and Neanderthal. And uh, it's there. It's basically uh, early man's discovery of tools mm-hmm. and violence as a way to control. Right. Um, and they they discover this by. The, there's this monolith, right? There's this black slab that just kind of appears. And uh, I don't know if you guys are paying close enough attention. This is not one of those things I caught on early on, but there's an actual story going on of the, you know, it's almost like a gang war between oh, these yeah. two these oh, two yeah. groups. Okay, so that was easy. Yeah. It wasn't easy for me to pick up on yeah, that when I first saw it. They took that. over the watering hole. They wanted the watering hole and they right. couldn't, they didn't have the numbers to do it. So right. one of them discovers weapons, right. starts killing, and then he beats right. the crap out of the other guy and right. takes over. Yeah. Right. And then there's uh, the transition is one of the most famous transitions of all time of, uh, you know, for, 
from an editing perspective, mm-hmm. the the weapon the thrown in the air turns into a, a satellite in space. I like that, but that's saying like right there, like that's just you know what is space or you know space is just mm-hmm. another tool. It's just our our, our latest revelation and mm-hmm. our you know right. that, that we've kind of right. And I, I'd also uh, uh, make the connection with our ventures into space are uh, are similar to how early early man's ventures were with tools. Like right. we are mm-hmm. we're embarking on. A new, mm-hmm. we're very early on a very new stage. Of and what life. I liked about, it, and I'd say that these are the kinds of things I liked about the movies. I'd say, you know, just like the way the apes were just like so, like how I'm thinking, like how they never think about using a we- something like this as a weapon, mm-hmm. right? Let's say that, that that was the moment where they just had, they had just discovered that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at them, you're like, wow, how primitive. But you know, you may be like, you know, if there are these these greater beings, aliens, you know, spiritual beings, whatever, mm-hmm. and you look at us now with our spaceships and everything, like, oh wow, they travel, they had to put, go, you know, in a spaceship versus being able to do it just with their body or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's there's definitely a sense of transcendence at the end of this movie where it's you know it's almost like you go beyond the physical. This is other mm-hmm. you know the, the next evolution of man or whatever, right? Where it makes us look in our tin cans, you know, circles running around in space mm-hmm. and like our spacesuits make that look much more primitive, which right. is the same idea. That, and so the yeah. second, the second portion of the movie second is a portion. doctor, uh, leads a crew to the moon mm-hmm. where another monolith has appeared. Right. And, uh, it is sending out a frequency to Jupiter. Right. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And yes. then the third sequence of the movie is probably what's, like I said, the most famous. This is the HAL sequence. This is the mm-hmm. space expedition to go to Jupiter to find out what that signal right. actually means. And mm-hmm. a computer on the ship that's controlling everything thing turns on its crew mm-hmm. uh and then the final sequence is our the surviving member of said jupiter jupiter crew dave mm-hmm. uh yes. oh, enters the void and ends up in this weird zoo-like habitat surreal well, a victorian island. hotel room a victorian a victorian zoo. hotel room zoo. <laughs> i have an interpretation of that scene this All is right. my interpretation oh, let's get into this um, okay, but anyway, uh, where it reached a more kind of theoretical ending. No, my interpretation of that end scene, and I'll let you take it, is, and maybe it's because I was bored and I was trying to figure, like I was trying to add meaning that was not there. Mm-hmm. But my theory is that he has reached the aliens. Mm-hmm. He has reached a different, he's, he's no longer among humans. He's reached the aliens that sent out this signal, the ones that are responsible for the monolith. Right, I and they've correct. And they've mm-hmm. created this, um, they like they created a habitat for him, which they... In their study of humans, they envision what would be a normal place for him to live. It'd be like us. It'd yes. be like like what like like a cage that we would put gorillas in. We put like the fake right, tree right, 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 and stuff right. like that. So right. you know that's why it looks. That's why it's so incongruous. It's essentially it's, the Matrix. This is what it is. Yeah, but that's why there's Victorian furniture and there's like these modern lights. It's because they don't quite understand. Like, oh, well, in their culture, they like these fancy things. Yeah. Like, so fancy thing. okay. um, and you see him age before you. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't still quite understand. Well, I think and maybe it could be just a hint if you're right that that it's like his whole he, life passes there. Like, yeah, his whole basically his whole life passes exactly there. What's he sees another monolith, mm-hmm. which uh, which leads to a neck the next stage of evolution, mm-hmm. which is his rebirth right. as the star child, right. but hovering over Earth, mm-hmm. so he can, um, I guess. In, in, push humanity to their next phase yes. does that make sense that's that's what i would say and you know and that's, that's the uh, best i can do <laughs> yeah no i think and i think you're exactly <laughs> no, right i, I wouldn't have good. put it like a zoo but i think that's probably a good habitat is probably the right word uh where um yeah it's just it's uh my i agree i mean i, I think that ending is uh taking place in he's it's, he's experiencing something that the human brain can't fathom so uh, it's, it's not like he's plugged into the matrix, like in the the matrix, he's just, uh, experiencing he's, everything has been moving really fast. So this is like an accelerated aging process we're viewing. And he's, you yeah, know, see. if you were to move it such, I mean, who knows what it would be like to, to age that quickly or to, you know, be in that kind of realm. I mean, it may, you may look at, be able to look at yourself and, uh, you know, and, so, so you, you're on board with that. You believe that the ending is he's kind of like not held captive, but he's being held in a habitat. No, being absorbed I, I, by the aliens. At I that think point it's almost or? like he's been just whooshed into this. You know, it's like he's he's been sucked into this monolith. If you want to get very specific, mm. you know, he's he's flying towards Jupiter. He gets sucked into the monolith. He flies at uh, kind of super super fast speeds through the universe, and then he, uh, you know, this is his kind of like stopping point, and it, this is how he experiences his transformation into. Whatever, whatever, um, he becomes like a message to man or something. Mm. And, um, 
you know, it's it, you could sit here and speculate as to what the Star Child is actually supposed to be, but I think I, I want um, to. I think well, I think part of the fun of the movie is not not is not knowing. I mean, a lot of the, the problem with 2010, the the sequel to this movie, is that it tried to take everything that was mysterious and interesting and about 2001 it. and just explain it, which is why a lot of things uh, that sit a mythology, uh, like like say the show Lost or. Um, you know, maybe the, say the Star Wars prequels try to explain too much of right. you know, when you explain the mystery, it's not cool anymore. And yeah. we start to if if you just leave things open ended, and you don't have to, there doesn't necessarily have to be a right answer, right? There doesn't have to be like, yeah, that's exactly what happened at the end of two thousand and one, right? Or right. this but is I, what he's I'd like doing. To, I, I'd like to. I think I don't think any any author of any creative work has no idea when he makes it. I think he has a very specific idea in his mind of an idea he's trying to get across. So you actually think Kubrick knew exactly what he was doing? Absolutely. Because well, I, I don't think he's just throwing out a bunch of random images like abstract art. I think every, even abstract well, art I feel well, like I mean, I guess Well, I guess it. my argument is that he probably had a conception of a feeling he wanted to get across, but oh, he right. didn't quite yeah. understand. It's not like he had like a plot. Like there wasn't like... He had written right. down the plot like Dave enters enters super secret zoo where he is held captive. You know, like right. that's not like I think he's trying to evoke but feelings. He's trying to say something. He's trying to say something, whether it's concrete or not. I think he has a specific idea in mind because even again, like, abstract art, the artist is painting something concrete. It's just that he's not telling us what well, it is. What do you, I, what I do you think very, he's? What do you think that is? That's what I want to talk about. I don't. I don't necessarily know myself. The, the impression. I like that you had a very concrete, like very physical. For me, I think it got when he. I th- the way I interpret it is he goes through space, he's going through all that stuff, and I think it was almost just like, a, like I said, a transcendence. Mm-hmm. I interpret it as a very spiritual thing where these are representations of mm-hmm. a reality, not necessarily a physical. That's not to say that what you said I disagree with, because you said that, and I'm like, that makes a lot of sense too. I don't like that idea. I, I, I interpreted it as he goes through space and time, he comes out the other side, and he's visibly aged. So mm-hmm. he's been going through that portal for God knows how many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in this new, you know, place of enlightenment. He's, I guess, for whatever reason, picturing this in his head as he is here. He is like in this, mm-hmm. um, because what he's seeing isn't making. He's seeing himself, and all of a sudden he's seeing himself again, and then like then he becomes something else, you know. And mm-hmm. then the monolith is in the room. So none of that seemed like concrete actually happening. More mm-hmm. of like a state of consciousness or awareness. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's interesting you mentioned this because it could almost be uh, theological the way you could look right, at exactly. it. Right. Exactly. Um, and like. Uh, not to get too far into religion, but one mm. way to view religion is whatever you believe, whether you believe in an afterlife or whatever. Um, like, think about when you're a baby in the womb, right? Mm. Like, remember when you guys <laughs> were baby? <laughs> <laughs> no, but think think about the conception of that where you, um, like, okay, so my argument for people that don't believe in an afterlife, and I don't know if I believe in one either, but like, when people say like, oh, it's impossible that there's an afterlife. And I would say, Imagine telling a fetus that there is an entire world mm-hmm. outside sure, uh, yeah. uh, of of you know your your current consciousness as this mm-hmm. weird weird like thing and it's like you couldn't I'm, tell a fetus that it wouldn't understand but like you. but imagine like if you could get into their brain and like they would like they're that. like yeah, you're like completely right nuts it would well, that's like that's like telling you know like yeah like a fish in a pond that there's this whole other world like, yeah, exactly so this is kind of you could parlay that into this where mm-hmm. he is entering that next he's entering that next phase of whether it be right. uh, theological ascendance and he is yeah. you know he's reaching or spiritual ascendance uh, rather and the idea is that's how you do it it's like almost like he is exiting mm-hmm. the he's exiting the womb he's exiting right. yeah. Yeah. concrete yes. reality and going to something else yeah. so um, that is that's another interpretation I think you could add on to it yeah. um, which makes this movie interesting because I, I you tend, could do that a lot I, I find I tend to do that I tend to take a theological or spiritual interpretation of a lot of things that become abstract I did it with uh, you guys seen The Fountain at all? Yeah, not to get up too off track, but that movie's actually very concrete. All three phases, mm-hmm. the se- the scene where he's in that bubble thing, and I won't uh, the future sequence. Right, I interpret that as a spiritual thing, but it was actually a physical. That was part of the concrete narrative, like he was traveling through space. We should do that. We should the, do that the fountain podcast. Yeah, we should do the fountain sometime. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I've only seen it once. I don't remember it too well, but I, I know what you're I talking about. I seeing it a long time ago, but yeah. I haven't seen yeah. it. I, I, I tend to default when things get very. I tend to take a spiritual interpretation. Yeah, that's uh, one of those movies that is obviously influenced by 2000. I mean, in, 2001's influence kind of ranges. Oh, it spans. I'm sure far yeah. wide, and uh, that's definitely one of those movies. That, well, um, let's get back to um, the third sequence in the film. Like I said, the most famous sequence, the house sequence. Uh, what? What's the point of that sequence? Um, because it is arguably the most plot plotted portion of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's the most traditional in terms of narrative in mm-hmm. all the forms of the movie. It's about a renegade computer that turns mm-hmm. on its own. You know, like that right. is something. I think it's kind of like an echo of the theme. I think of the idea of, of humanity. Like you know, it's the, the idea of consciousness and like sentience and like self awareness. And I think mm-hmm. like they say, 
I mean, they say in the movie that the computer isn't actually self-aware. Uh, it seems pretty self-aware to me. I think it expresses fear. It expresses, like, it gets, its feelings kind of get hurt, I think, in a way. Where it, or maybe it's just out of, acting out of self-preservation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I Especially think it's definitely it's, it's self-aware. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is kind of just this theme of, like, you know, what, is, what does it mean to be mm-hmm. um, living, aware, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like that fits in the sense of, like... Um, movie talks a lot about that and is asking questions about what is what is like you mentioned something earlier but he's the most human character mm-hmm. I, I don't know if i would agree with that but he certainly is as human as mm-hmm. potentially the other guys on the ship he doesn't have a body but i think his emotions and his like intellect hello hell do you read me hello hell do you read me do you read me hell do you read me hell Hello, hell, do you read me? Hello, hell, do you read me? Do you read me, hell? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, hell. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. Where the hell did you get that idea, Hal? Dave. Although you took very thorough precautions in the pod against my hearing you, I could see your lips move. All right, Hal. I'll go in through the emergency airlock. Without your space helmet, Dave, you're going to find that rather difficult. Hal, I won't argue with you anymore. Open the doors. Dave, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Well, I mean, like, I, I, to go back to the idea of reaching that next phase, is Hal trying to reach that next phase? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like he's I th- trying I, to make I think the, it's the awkward. I think it's the awkward transition into... Uh, whatever uh you know learning how to operate as uh as a self uh, you know governing self-governing being, being, yeah. being yes thank you um and i think that's you know the, the different point there's there's three uh points in this movie where, where that's what's happening you have the uh the uh the moon uh child not moon child that's never any story he's, he's got, he's <laughs> he's got, got a name one. there's a name moon watcher moon, moon watcher yeah. is, the, is, the, is the ape is kind of the main ape character at the beginning of the movie how he becomes self self-aware and learns to figure you know figure out how to operate and um you know in a way that's gonna like take uh his tribe and therefore humanity to the next level and i think how the computer is is learning you know how to uh how to work things out you know like i made a mistake uh well how how should i go about things well i guess you should tell these guys this satellite is broken uh and now that it's not broken what do i do and it's like He's, he's, I feel like this computer is kind of going back and forth in its uh, operating system, trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to work its way out and how to, you know, and, and it can't, you know, and mm. it just, it kind of breaks. And, and um, I think what's interesting is that every single fa- death is very, very much uh, present in the movie. I think the first, like, you know, we look at their first um, discovery of men and it's, it's this discovery of a tool mm-hmm. that quickly becomes a weapon for mm-hmm. killing. Right. Um, Hal, again, same thing, turns to killing. And I think right. even in the end, his transcendence or whatever it is, I think is some way a death as well. Right. So like, right, yeah, You're exactly. saying that it's each like, like each phase is represented by death. And, and, vi- and violence. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it's almost like it's about how violence becomes necessity for, it's a, it's a necessary step for evolution, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if so. I, I, yeah, it's tough. See, I, I don't know if I want to can like say we should like, uh, that sounds like it's almost condoning violence. I think it, it's not so much condoning, but it's more of just like the gritty truth is the mm-hmm. fact that like, you know, we a new discovery is discovered, a new uh, technology is discovered, there's the potential it can become a weapon. You know, mm-hmm. if we, de- we develop, you know, um, 
you know, atomic energy. Well, look at that. It became a nuclear warhead. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's certain ways that each discovery carries with it, you know, it's double-edged sword. And there was, in, in, in the, the second act of this film, it's, uh, if, if you're watching it and you're not really picking up on the dialogue, I think you, it, there's, there's stuff going on that I wasn't aware of when I first watched it. And now when you watch it, you realize it's more about U.S.-Russian relations. He's uh, the, the doctor is from the U.S. He's flying Pan right, Am right. and he lands on this uh, space station. He's talking to these uh, Russian ambassadors or scientists about mm. this mysterious discovery on the moon. And uh, it, he lies to them. And he li- right, and he lies to them. And it's uh, you know, well, and, he doesn't uh, actually. He all he just he doesn't just doesn't. Well, deny he's like, it. I'm not at liberty to discuss right, this. Right, right. Uh, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to tell them what what the. Uh, but US he is perpetuating the lie because he, yeah, he's the one that thought it up and tells everyone about that right later. so there's so there's right. some yeah. nods to like the tensions between you know nations and that you know makes sense because this was his follow-up to dr strangelove stanley kubrick's right. previous movie which was about going a real strong anti-russian nuclear, nuclear yeah right and no i'm not gonna anti-russian bent. and i also know from seeing the sequel that uh, you know that uh, it ends up being about a u.s russian mission to you know, they joined together to fly out to find out what happened with Hal and, and uh, was he was Kubrick the uh, director of the second one? No, no, no. Okay, but it was it was a director named Peter Hyams who was a terrific visualist. But uh, it's you know everything. It's, it's not mm. not a great movie. It's almost worth seeing just because if you're if you if you've uh, if you enjoyed 2001 or respected 2001 in any way, you might want to see what kind of the opposite approach of this kind of movie. The movie feels dated in a different way, uh, 2010, because the special effects were just as good as special effects could be back in, in 1984. Well, 2001, you watch this movie and you think, oh my God, there's there's like nothing, there was nothing like this yeah. for this Speaking movie. Speaking of, so what, was that a rotating set that they yes, built? Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. See, I feel like when, what's his name? Uh, Christopher Nolan did it for Inception. Inception. Yeah. I think, I mean, maybe I was just watching the, you know, the, the special, the behind the scenes. Everyone's yeah. like, whoa, he actually built a set that wrote. Yeah. But this has been going on. I mean, that was, and I was actually very, very impressed because for the 60s, that's, that's really, and it was, yeah. it was shot seamlessly too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. watching, I'm trying to figure, I'm like watching to see when I could, you know, and, and it, it's beautiful. There's well, a he, lot of tricky things. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. magic in this movie. There is. I mean, and if you even just ignore anything about all the heady, uh, a cerebral elements of this film and just take it as a visual thing. Mm. There's just some cool stuff. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the, uh, the stewardess who walks on the side of the wall the to go the, shoes, uh, yeah. goes, the shoes. and she like literally in the same shot just goes up the wall. Up the wall yeah. That's yeah. just yeah. really, really cool. At and the then, time people, <laughs> my brains were exploding all over the theater. Yeah. And, just like, what? And just, um, like we are really good as, as a culture, uh, when something is made, uh, Hollywood and, and popular culture, culture, culture mm. in general nice. tends to just ape that over and over again like mm. when something is successful uh we do that but in this one they're inventing what spaceships should look like mm-hmm. they're inventing yeah. like all this stuff I, I i really like go ahead sorry uh, well i mean i guess my core core uh, oh my god i can't speak um when when Minority Report came out mm-hmm. and those interfaces, you know, holographic, like, oh, touchscreen yeah, interfaces, yeah. as soon as that movie came out, that's all we saw from yeah. now until to now. Every yeah. every interface looks exactly the same. Yeah. Right. And How many times have we as motion or, or, or at least it's Minority Report? Or at least thing? it's gone from, like, a very small experience where you're just, like, operating everything, like, you know, with on a keyboard and a mouse like or whatever. Or, or yeah. pressing, uh, think, yeah, to, like, big hand motions. And, and in, in and 2001... I mean, they're creating that foundation that everything else comes right. com- comes from, which I think that alone is an incredible technical achievement. Right. And even if you go to the uh, ape sequence, uh, those costumes are mm-hmm. amazing. Right. They're fantastic. This is, this yeah. is pre, yeah. pre-Planet of the Apes, which came out like the following year. And so. the, I mean, the costumes, A, look amazing. They have a actor fighting a cheetah? Yeah. Or a leopard? Yeah, yeah. I saw How yeah. the heck do they pull that off? <laughs> I don't know. Because I, yeah, I forgot about there, that. Yeah. There is no Andy Circus in a ping pong ball suit no. dancing yeah. around pretending to be an ape. These are actors actually just pretending yeah. to be apes and they yeah. look pretty good. I mean, yeah. it is almost, it, it is incredible. My suspension of disbelief was, I mean, I was totally buying it. When you get into close-ups, that's when it starts to lose yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. but the wide shots, I mean, it just looks phenomenal, mm-hmm. and and the backgrounds, um, the backgrounds themselves look amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know, landscapes. I, I so. didn't realize. I mean, I, I think a lot of this was sh- actually shot on a soundstage. I mean, I, I yeah. I'd, I'd always assumed that it was actually shot. It actually, really? Yes, it yeah. was. Well, outdoor stuff. I actually games. looked. At, yeah, I looked it up. It's it shot using rear projection. Yeah. Uh, so all the actors are on a soundstage, but then they went and shot plates. Mm-hmm. Uh, of actual scenery right. uh, in Africa oh, and right. so forth uh, well to done. get that that well so it, it just 
it's got this look to it that uh, again, I wish I could see this movie in like uh, Cinerama, which um, those theaters don't. Ex- I don't think many of those theaters exist anymore. Mm-mm. But I would le- really love to get that experience. Um, and then when you get to the space sequences, mm-hmm. uh, just yeah. the, the amount of stuff going on in the frame. And the best uh, example of this I can uh, think of is I can't remember where in the film uh, you see the ship. I believe it's in the second portion of the film. You see the ship docking and you see like the guys in the control room mm-hmm. are yeah, over yeah, small yeah. on the left and they're mm-hmm. totally doing their mm-hmm. thing. And there's other things going like yeah. everything in the frame there's something Are you happening. thinking when they land on the moon and the thing's going down? No, 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 no. Shaft, they're, they're docking to the they're docking, space station. They're docking yeah. to the space station. Okay, I was actually just about to mention that shot. There's there's guys above. There's guys below. Basically, all four sides. There's and, and that's something all... I could never see until this this viewing because every screen I've watched it on has been too small. <laughs> but think about like that. Uh, uh, and, and in cinema nowadays, we've gotten so obsessed with close-up. Close-up is a way to save money mm-hmm. uh, because you don't have to build sets. Uh, you don't have to show things. You can mm-hmm. you can hide a lot in close-up. This movie is always wide, almost. Every single right. shot. To be honest, I, I, I didn't like that because there's some, I mean, God, the scene where he's in the conference room, it's that wide shot of like all the, the all the chairs. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm it's like, I've of, just been kind of, I don't I think I've just been taught that like wide shots are, are good to establish, but you want to cut to it. It's more dynamic. It's right. more like. And but we, again, you're experiencing this on on the largest screen possible. At least that's the way it was meant to experience. But still, it. I mean, and, and this would be one of the reasons why I feel like things dragged on so long is like mm-hmm. that's, I think the shots were the reason why everything, everything is wide static. It's mm-hmm. just sitting there. You're just looking. Everything you need to see is happening. So well, you're not getting Well, think about like, like the, 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 the dolly moves though as well where it's a it's a wide fish angle lens almost mm-hmm. and right, he's dolling no, behind like, the guy as he walks in the space station i mean that kind of stuff is real cool so yeah, yeah. well yeah. i mean when, when you said before you said roy scheider and i thought we thought roy scheider played the main character i'm like you know i wouldn't even know because there was nothing <laughs> single yeah. close-up of that guy yeah. there's always white like i'm like i don't i don't yeah there was mo- there were a few like say that there were some good profile shots of him talking to his daughter i mean there were enough close-ups in the movie, but there was right. definitely more of you, wide angle was used enough that you barely, you know, noticed. I guess, or when the close-ups happen, if you were to go back and rewatch it, you would say, "Oh, there's a close-up." Mm. Oh, wait, twenty minutes. There oh, there's a close-up. See you later. <laughs> but you know, honestly, movies uh, at this point, you know, were still kind of the close-up wasn't as popular of a thing. It was mostly medium shots and wide shots, and television kind of changed. Um, the way uh, movies were made um, because because televisions were smaller and therefore had to use a lot more close-ups of actors in order for you to actually tell what was going on. Mm. So you know, 2001 is a more kind of classical uh, movie when it, when it comes to composition because it's meant to be experienced in the theater yeah. So and close-ups don't really matter as much. And I think they would also work against it because... Um, you're not. You're. He's. He's trying to. He's trying to distance you a little bit from from humans. He's trying to make it. I think he's trying to make you feel as Almost if like there's I, a lot I of have. close-ups of Hal, for instance. Like there's a lot of close-ups yeah, of that. You yeah. know, of, of basically the uh, the red eye is 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 like mm. Hal's you know face, and so you get plenty of close-ups of him. And that's why I'm saying that. You Maybe know, it's more of an objective, ob- ob- an observation. You're looking at humanity. You're not looking at it as like one individual person, but as more of. Yeah, That's I guess. I mean, maybe, but uh, I think You're that uh, I, I, th- I think the, that he's trying to show you that uh, in this, you know, that this third act of the movie, that Hal is is uh, it's almost like uh, what humans were, you know, thousands of years ago. He's trying to figure out how to how to be. You know, we can imagine if, if you've seen the movie AI, uh, the mm. Steven Spielberg movie. It's about this robot kid trying he, to figure out how to be He was also on that human. as well, wasn't he? Kubrick that was supposed was, to supposed to make it before right, he passed away. Right, Stanley Kubrick oh, had, had, had written yes, and was supposed yes. to direct it and never did. Because he died, um, but the, I, they were the one shot where they're out and right before Hal kills the guy, uh, kills what's uh, Frank, Frank, Frank thank yeah. pool, right? Yeah. Um, there, it's kind of out in space, and there's a quick uh, succession of like four or five cuts in mm-hmm. on the eye. Right, it was like terrifying. I, I right. loved it. I thought it was so well done. You're just like, oh my god, it's right. how he's gonna get him. Yeah. And it wasn't. It wasn't like his typical like snap zoom. It wasn't. It was just kind of like cut, 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 cut the eye, the all seeing red right. burning eye, like. Right. And it's a very great, great, yeah. And it, you know, and it, and it comes after a very, you know, I I, I found the scene uh, much more interesting this time. The, the two of them discussing. That's a good know, scene. You know how you know. Yes. Like, so Hal made a mistake. Uh, I guess we have to kill him. Mm. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> that was yeah. essentially what they're saying. But they're saying it in such a like. Well, a cold, they, well, he's, no, he's, they're not like, only well, he's, he's made... probably not going to like us disconnecting him. Well, much. not only did he but make a mistake, Hal's lying to us. Essentially, right. he's right. lying to us. Which, which is, is why, yeah, I think right. it, that's. 
which right, is, uh, that's, I mean, think about how freaky that must be if you're two astronauts and your entire reason for going is a supercomputer. Right. And, and think about that. I mean, I, I think that scene was great because the, the, not only is the computer, you're depending upon the computer for everything you're doing, but also here's faulty and it's lying and it's sentient. Mm. The hell are we going to do? And I think that even, you know, just his whole sequence where he's in the pod and he's mm. checking to make sure he can't hear them. That was brilliant. Mm. And the fact that the eye can see them watch mm-hmm. their lips and even the yeah. shot. Right, where they're yes. wordlessly mouthing behind the glass, and it's just mm-hmm. going back and forth between right. the mouths, which it's like a quick dart, dart right. back and forth. And that's and it's a perfect example of what this movie does so well. Is uh, it's a visual, it's a it's a visual movie. I mean, it's mm-hmm. and, it, and it and it really it really sells the, the story or its its ideas through visuals. Right, the mm-hmm. dialogue doesn't shouldn't really matter as much. And uh, you could argue that's another reason why it's uh, so regarded as such a cinematic classic is that this is a movie, as we said, it's an art film, but it's taking the art of cinema into a purely visual direction. Uh, I mean, uh, when you think about how movies started, I think that uh, just the idea that movies are about characters and dialogue and everything, and I think Kubrick is not into that as much in this film. I mean, it comes from kind of, you know, stage plays before it. Movies at the beginning were essentially just film stage plays as exactly. much as possible, right? And this right. this is totally different. This right. is uh, seeking to do. This is something that you're supposed to. It's like going to an art museum, and, right? And Which is why I say it's it's kind of like high. It, you, you don't even really need to watch this movie all the way through. And in, in fact, listening to some of the uh, the, com- the the commentary or one of the making of uh, stories I heard on the uh, the Blu-ray was um, that this movie would just play and people would actually you know, go in for a little bit and then they leave. And apparently you could buy a ticket for a movie and then that would get you into the movie for the whole day. So you would, you know, you go in and, and, uh, and then take a couple hours and come back and watch your favorite part. And then you go leave, have dinner and you come back and you watch, you know, <laughs> wow. whatever. So I think that's how a lot of people were experiences would be like, wow, I can't wait. I'm, I have to go back at six o'clock because that's when they're going to be playing the part where he jogs around the uh, spaceship. <laughs> the space <thing. laughs> um, I, uh, I want to mention the, uh, the use of uh, the lack of sound. Uh, in space, which I think is really a bold Lack choice. of sound, I remember distinctly like 30 minutes of heavy breathing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, but think about like... I, yeah, I know what you mean. There would yeah. be a score mm-hmm. or uh, even a movie like Gravity. I don't, I don't even think there's any sound effects either. I don't I don't think. But right? a movie like Gravity, uh, one thing I disliked about the movie was his emphasis on score when I think sometimes it would have been more effective if you didn't hear anything. I agree. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, so I think the score is really good in the movie. I think the movie is fantastic, mm-hmm. but I think less of it would have made a more yeah, successful film. It would have made it even more terrifying the um, vacuum of space. Because... I think I think seeing things that intrinsically we know as humans should be making noise, not making noise, is very scary to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like just the idea that it doesn't sit right in right. your head. And then in this movie, you know, you know, just the the delayed process of him trying to retrieve Frank's body mm-hmm. in his little yeah. pod like thing, mm-hmm. and you just don't hear anything. And right. I think that's pretty pretty right. amazing. So, what I think also too, it's just that you know the. Putting in a score can manufacture a certain emotion, like of, but a cinematic emotion versus mm-hmm. something of like when you're it, you're hearing exactly what he's hearing, which is why it's. I think half the reason why it was so unbearable to watch is because it felt so real. That like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm also in space in that suit, breathing constricted, you know, whatever, yeah. you're smelling the rubber of the suit, and you're mm-hmm. out there, and you're in this pod, and I mean, in some way, I think it's very effective in that way because you really feel like you're there, you're as, as immersed as you can through all mm-hmm. the different senses, right? That that, that movies can offer, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I thought I was going to say someone else say something. I had something really clever. It looked good, man. I don't know. I don't your know. face lit up, and you were all like, really grinning to yourself. We should talk. I, I would like to talk a little bit about um, just the take. What we think, like how, how watching this movie. I kept thinking, like, well, how did they do this shot? I mean, I can kind mm. of figure out how they did some shots. But, some is models, obviously. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, here. So, for example, when I was watching the movie this time. I was noticing all the uh, the interfaces, right? And that's that's something that's aged actually really well. I mean, I, I love the design of this movie. I mean, the interface design is, you know, it, it, I, it, I like the retro future. You know, it's, I really, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's, it's like um, it's like Epcot Center circa nineteen. Like you go back, yeah, you go great. back and watch, say, like the Sandra Bullock movie. Since you're talking about Sandra Bullock movies, uh, The Net. If you watch, like, you know, like movies from the nineties oh, that that are that have like computer interfaces. I mean, they look dated and terrible, yeah. but. But the 2001, I think it's because they, they actually did focus a lot on the actual design and the aesthetic of the interfaces. I mean, if it um, certainly feels very 70s, but it feels like, like yeah, if there's a space station in the 70s, it absolutely would look like that. Like, right. the, the, and I'll tell you what, uh, Alien well, so, is very similar that way. Like, right. It's the retro future. It's not exactly like, oh, this is not what it looked like today, but it's something about it is still believable as a right. space age technology. Right. But what I, what I was going to say is that, you know, they didn't have uh, green screen. They didn't have... 
uh, videos that they could just play on on all those monitors. You know, you're seeing these long shots of 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 all these different displays flashing things. He's watching. Uh, he's, you know, there's a scene where Frank is like talking to his parents and they're saying happy birthday. And you know, you're, you're seeing an interview with him, and at the same time, you're seeing other screens. So what they had to do is they had to have cameras like sixty like projected cameras behind on this giant rotating set. You know, maybe there's like eight screens, so they had to have eight projectors. You know, actually shooting, putting actually the playing shot. Yeah. footage of uh, you know, on the yeah. screens, yeah. and then each time they did the shot, they would have to rewind the footage. You know, of all those projectors, and then spin the thing back and set the light. I mean, it's just the the, the, the all the work they had to go into each shot just yeah. seemed so impressive to me this time. Um, and one more thing, there was one of, there was one shot that I couldn't figure out how they. I don't know why it didn't make any sense to me. There's this shot. After he's jogging around, it, it, the, the opening of uh, the Jupiter mission, you see Frank jogging around the space station. And, and that I kind of knew. I mean, okay, so right, they have right. this rotating set, and he's jogging like into a hamster wheel. But then there's another shot where you see, I think, Dave coming out. Uh, it's a still shot, and you see Frank, I think, sitting down, or Dave sitting down on one side. And you see Dave coming down, and in a possible way, mm. he's, he's coming down one side. And it, it, I was thinking, well, it must be two different shots. Like that they, they, they cut together. I have to see it again, but, but I think uh, it could be that he's... But essentially what they had to do is they had to strap, listening to some of the commentary, they had to strap uh, this guy to the wheel. That's what I was going to say. You know, yeah. he's like in straps, in the straps chair. in there, yeah. The food, he's eating on the tray, so they had to like make the food so that it would stay <laughs> upside down. And they yeah. rotate this gigantic set so that the, the actor is sitting up Upside down, strapped into the seat, and I'm surprised you into his see, head. Yeah. And the other guy just walks down, you know, the stairs as if there's, you know, I'm sorry, as if uh, there's like nothing's happening, and uh, and you don't see his hair like fly, you know, like starting to yeah. like rise or whatever, yeah. or the food there's just no, coming out of the plate. Like, yeah, no, it's it's well, they would have to. I'm sure that probably happened every so often. They would have to. Who <laughs> <laughs> would just splat him in the face? <laughs> like, like, oh, like, cut! We gotta, like, all right, rotate the set. <laughs> now get him back here. <laughs> it, it actually uh, it brings me a lot of love for when you'd have to actually crack things for film um i think that obviously you know computer technology is amazing and it's really taken us in new ways but terrifying actually but but like there were people whose entire job was to be craftsmen on films to build right yeah they had to build the set they had to engineer the yeah exactly and um i think the the skill set has just changed so much which is what's so crazy did anyone else i mean we the first movie we talked about in this podcast was blade runner you want to talk about the curse of brands uh, being used in futuristic films that inevitably fail because Pan Am is the flight right, he's on. IBM was in there. Uh, Hilton, Howard Johnson. Hilton, that's right. <laughs> Howard Johnson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were all thinking. on the space station. I, I never, I had never noticed that before. Actually, how it was Hilton and Howard Johnson's on the space. Station. And actually, you know what's interesting? Uh, it's some, I, my dad told this movie a very long time ago. I remember him always talking about how much he loved it. And like I, he always said that Hal, if you notice, the letters H A L is one letter off from IBM. IBM yeah, and of course mm-hmm. they 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 claim that it was not. Not the case or whatever. Yeah, who knows? But, uh, you can, the author, it's, it's like an interesting little. Yeah, like that's we haven't mentioned the author. Arthur C. Clarke was the uh, the actual author of the, right. Uh, but I'm guessing the, the book is pretty on. different than the film. I mean, the I've book, never the read book it. is a little more specific. If you should, I just say some of the. I mean, yeah, sure. No, so, God, no. Well, I mean, so no. The, uh, <laughs> I think I, if I remember correctly, <laughs> at the end of the movie, uh, there's a little more focus on like the uh, the whole nuclear arms race in the movie. And or in the in the book, and the book, uh, yeah. it, I think at the end the Star Child ends up like setting up setting off a bunch of nuclear weapons or something. And Wait, what? It, yeah, I know it, it's it's Whoa. a little. And, and if you uh, the you know that famous cut where he throws the bone and it cuts to the satellite, that satellite uh, Arthur C. Clarke had actually intended that to be a nuclear orbiting weapon. So there was supposed to be a little more connection there between okay. you know, weapon, yeah. weapon, weapon, weapon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so there was a little more focus on I think the nuclear arms race and uh, okay. Uh, I I think I would prefer that. Member. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's like it's, you know, it, it's, yeah. I mean, that might have been, it might have been a more, it would definitely would have been a more specific story. Uh, but I think uh, this movie probably works better without um, being too specific about things. And you know, at least in my opinion, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if this movie had like showed you, I think they had actually. Uh, thought of uh, concepted you know what an alien would actually look like at the end of this movie and maybe had him interacting with aliens but if they'd actually filmed that you know and it was like a guy with a bucket on his head and, you know a visor or whatever <laughs> yeah. they, whatever they had come up with it, it would look ruined ridic- it. It, would, it would look ridiculous but the fact that they just implied things without showing them uh, I think is what makes this movie special and is what made this I mean this movie you know is, is, is one of those things you can go back and watch and, and kind of find new things and, and uh, 
you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't come off, it never comes off as ridiculous, I think, you know, and, mm. uh, you can go back and watch a lot I of think other, other movies. I think the most and, ridiculous and thing, really the only thing in the movie is the, uh, the grip shoes and like the walk, the walk the woman is doing as <laughs> yeah. she's like staggering around. All yeah. That's the, a little absurd, but not even that. Yeah. Thing. All the, uh, like the fun, like, oh, look, it's the future. They have <laughs> right. video phones in the future. Those right? hats that the yeah. woman's hat. Yeah. Women like have. I yeah. think that stuff is, uh, I, if anything, that's the stuff that's the most comical. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think it's actually kind of meant to be in a, in a way. Like yeah. he's kind of like, isn't this fun and cute? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> isn't this endearing? Uh, I'm closing out this episode. We're actually starting to run a little long. Um, granted, this is a long movie and it's very Did difficult it to, right, difficult yeah. to, uh, encapsulate, to ca- encapsulate. Yes. I want to say my favorite story regarding 2001 is in college. I was about to watch it and I ran across some other person who had seen it. And he's like, Oh man, you're going to love it. It's about giant babies in space. Then you know about it. He's right. And I was, as, as, and the entire time I first watched it and I'm like, where are the giant babies in space? <laughs> you must be like, you must have been thinking of a different movie. And at the end you're like, there it is. There's the giant baby. <laughs> So um, that's what the log line should be: giant babies, babies in, in space. Two thousand one, giant babies should in have space. Said fetus, it looked more like a fetus. <laughs> it that's does. true. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he wasn't right. He but, wasn't right. But so I, I think that the only last thing I want to say is that I'm kind of talking up this movie a lot, and I, I do think it's a masterpiece. I don't think it's a movie that I really enjoy that much. I mean, it's like... I don't I, either, but I, can I, I think we've all kind like, of come to the conclusion. That we don't is, always... We don't really enjoy it. It's like eating your vegetables. It's good. It's... It's... it's enriching but right. it's pretty but sometimes you just long. want some ice cream man yeah <laughs> sometimes you just want a nice scoop right. of ice cream whether you flip on the matrix or something or star wars or, or the Empire uh, strikes back or something uh, transformers no the bay God. series that's oh, like junk man. food that's like actually that's like cocaine oh, actually more than no. anything it's else. like heroin that's, uh, that's more except like, you don't want more of it you just more like eating poop yeah. <laughs> that's like eating cheese covered poop Dave just Dave just under the phrase eating poop can we get that as like a isolated like, sound clip like as a sound just, drop that yeah, I use every now and poop. then eating poop I'm sorry guys I'm afraid I can't do that um, yeah and that's I'm another sorry, thing it's like anytime Hal says something to Dave it's like you know it's a uh, you feel like he's talking to you, yes, right? It's, it's a kind of a creepy. It's a. It's I felt a, like he was talking to you. It's a creepy thing being Dave and and watching this movie. I'm sorry you That's had that all, existential yeah. crisis. I'm sure, yeah. If I was a little uh, more self-centered, I would have felt Mike, that. what are your final thoughts? Uh, I think we always kind of gauge this like a classic as far as like, do you want it on your shelf or do you not? And um, luckily enough, I already have it on my shelf. It's already there. <laughs> I already it got there. it. I'll and I'll it keep it there. I'll keep it there. I certainly, it's not one of those things that I would, like, like you just said, have the guys over for pizza, beer in 2001. But um, it's good. I enjoyed yeah. it. And like, I think put having... Put it on while you're working on a freelance project or something. You know, like, it, it, it can be an inspired... Like, just the visuals alone, I think. Yeah, it could be... Just, certainly, it could, it could cause you to despair while you're trying to... No, do it. Well, no, I, yeah, no, no, I... I <laughs> no, I, I said, it, it's it's a classic. It's good. I'm glad I saw it. I, it's It wasn't necessarily entertaining, but it's it's a good movie, I think. And, and these are the kinds of movies I like. I would certainly go with this over Transformers as far as the purpose of movies, you know? To educate. I think that they're you know. entire like making that comparison is just like, like is like impossible. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you, you did both of them are movies, and both of them have their own purposes. And I say I would re- much rather air. You know, this wasn't a perfect movie for me, but I would certainly go this extreme versus a vapid, empty piece of crap movie with no right redeeming value. You know, <laughs> that's right, Michael Bay. Drink it in. <laughs> I, I'm sure he. <laughs> you don't like it? You can come talk to me. You've been called out by Mike. <laughs> I think you heard me over the, the billions of dollars flowing into his bank account. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that kind of closes out this discussion. Uh, this is a difficult movie to talk about, and I think even if you try to, um, like, even if you try to get together with like people and discuss meaning, it just becomes very hard to isolate what you're trying to say. So hopefully, yeah. we did this some sort of justice. Yeah, this, um, this movie is for a specific audience now. I mean, I think I think. You know, forty years ago, I mean, you could watch this movie and be blown away by it. And it's not going to be that impressive to most people. But I think if you're a film fan, you owe it to yourself to see this. Movie. Absolutely. Absolutely, and if you I haven't, agree, yeah, yeah, you should do- totally do it just for, um, uh, just as an artifact of what cinema was and has become since. Um, closing out this episode, uh, what do I want to say? Oh, so next we uh, next episode, mm-hmm. I think we're going to do a um, movie featuring Robin Williams and, and uh, he recently passed away and I'd like to do a movie mm-hmm. uh, featuring him. I'm not quite sure what that's going to be. I'm leaning towards um, Good Morning Vietnam because I've never actually seen it. So um, I'd also love Mrs. Doubtfire would be good because see, now Mrs. Doubtfire is one of those movies that's entertainment, but I mm-hmm. think there's just, it's a good Good movie as entertainment. Too. We may leave it up to a vote. We could even have that. Yeah, I was I was talking with the the guys beforehand. And I may try to th- throw it on Facebook to see what you guys want to hear us talk about, and we'll defer to you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Though I think Mrs. Doubtfire is going to be less fun to talk about because mm-hmm. I don't know if there's as much to get into in that yeah, movie. No. Come on, cross-dressing, guys. You've never I done mean, it, there's please. The, there's the Fisher King. There's uh, uh, the Poets oh, Society. Oh, Fisher King's good. There's, oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty. There's, there's some movies. You know, he's made a lot Society of, he's made a lot of stinkers, but it's also a lot of really good Yeah, so I'm going to throw I'll throw us a couple options out there. Um, also, if you're listening to this uh, podcast and you enjoy it, please leave us a review on iTunes so people, other people can find us, you know, so we can get like <laughs> nine viewers instead of eight uh, yeah. or listeners. We, we got to break 10, guys. Yeah, I we think need if, to break 10. Once we hit double digits, I think we're done. We can wrap it up at that. Uh, that I point, think yeah. we've hit as far as we're going to go. Uh, but you, we all become space we'll become space. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, you really jumped on that one. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash reviewed podcast. Make sure to like us on there. Uh, go to reviewedpodcast.com if you want see uh, all our episodes and uh, email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com so you can tell us how smart we are and how also how dumb we are Uh, so you can do all of those things Um, so until next time um, Dave since your name is Dave do you want to give us the uh, the, the go first this is awesome uh, you can find me at uh, on Twitter at Dave Glanz, G-L-A-N-Z, and DaveGlanzProductions.com. Mike. And I am at Mike Morandi on Twitter and MikeMorandi.com. And uh, you can find me at Ivan Kander on Twitter. I write for a website called ShortOfTheWeek.com. And uh, you can find my website at Lucky9Studios.com. So until next time, I'm afraid I can't let you do that. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's the worst. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave. Okay. Actually, your impression's a lot better than mine. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) It was just your voice. (laughs) I'm a terrible actor.